Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Well, we're back once again at the Corners of Truth and Courage. Thank you for joining us here today. Martin Luther said this, my goodness, back during the Reformation years. He says, Satan has raised up such a sect such as to teach that men should not be terrified by the law. In other words, the law of the Old Testament, the law that shows us our guilt, our fault, our sin. He's, that Satan has raised up a sect within Christianity that men should not be terrified by the law, but gently exhorted by the preaching of the grace of Christ. In other words, don't tell them what they are. Tell them what they could be. Don't alarm them. Don't offend them with their sin. Rather, uh, tell them the good news. He also went on to say, the first duty of the gospel preacher is to declare God's law and to show the nature of sin. If you do not use the law in gospel proclamation, you will fill the church with false converts. Let me say that again. If you do not use the law, the law which shows a man he's guilty, which shows um, that he's offended God, his uh, offenses, his crimes are enormous before God. If you do not use the law in gospel proclamation, you will fill the church with false converts. Charles Finney, whom God used in the great in the Second Great Awakening here in the United States, said this, Evermore the law must prepare the way for the gospel. To overlook this in instructing souls is almost certain to result in false hope. The indoctrination of a false standard of the Christian experience and to fill the church of false converts, time will make this plain. Wow. <laughs> that was over 100 years ago. Time will make this plain that the church will be filled with false converts if we do not use the law in our gospel presentations. James D. James Kennedy, who died recently, said this, The vast majority of people who are members of churches in America today are not Christians. Let me say that again. The vast majority of people who are members of churches in America today are not Christians. I say this without the slightest fear of contradiction. I base it on empirical evidence of 24 years of examining thousands of people. A.W. Tozer, who again died not too long ago, said this, It is my opinion that tens of thousands, if not millions, have been brought into some kind of religious experience by accepting Christ, and they have not been saved. So in other words, people have a religious experience. There may be tens of thousands or millions of them in the Christian church today that have a religious experience of accepting Christ, but they're not genuinely saved. I agree with these men 100%. I, too, like D. James Kennedy, have, do not have the slightest fear of contradiction in this statement that the church is filled largely with false converts. I call them Widegate converts. I'm rewriting, I'm in the process of rewriting my book, The Widegate Convert. And I'll be making that available as a free book. I want to make it as a free book available to people that they can download an ebook. 
A printed version will have to charge because there's expense there. But I believe that there's a great need for America to be awakened to, to proper biblical evangelism. There's a lot of evangelism going on in our world today that is not leading people through a, a narrow gate. The narrow gate leads to life, leads to life everlasting, but the wide gate leads people into a religious experience, even a Christian experience, even some belief in Jesus Christ and doctrines that they believe and hold, but they've not been genuinely saved and changed, and there's a key part to it. And I want to introduce this to you by talking to you about the tale of two sons. It's found in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 15. Sometimes this chapter is referred to as the lost chapter because there's three items that Jesus talks about uh, stories. One, there's a lost sheep. The other, there's a lost coin. And the third story he gives is about a lost son. Now, oftentimes I've heard this message preached on many, many occasions by others. And people refer to this as the prodigal son. I refer to it as the tale of two sons. We often deal with the first son, the younger son, and very rarely give any attention to the older son. And today and tomorrow, I want to break into this and to lay out for you why I believe both, both of these sons were lost men, both of them, not just the first son. A lot of people refer to the first son, the younger son, as uh, I say the first son, the one that, we, that, that takes the main attention of the story, the younger son. Uh, most would agree that he is lost, but they often refer to the older son as saved. I don't see it that way, and I don't think the Bible is teaching that. And I'll explain more clearly about the second son in tomorrow's broadcast. But let's look at the at the story, and it's in Luke chapter fifteen, verses eleven through twenty-four, that we come to this story. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him and to them his living. And now, now notice he gives it to both of them, both their sons, not just to the one son. He gives them both their living. Then, okay, I'm going to give you your portion of the inheritance of, so that you can make your living. And in verse number 13, and not many days uh, after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. Now, let me digress just for a moment. It's interesting, isn't it, that when we fall into sin, we want to get as far away from the Father as possible. Isn't that the way it is? I mean, we, we don't want the ones who we, we, you know, we know that we know better. They don't want us to see, uh, see us involved in the things that we're doing, that we want to do the flesh and, and live in our pleasures and the lust. And we travel into a far country to try to get away from it, from our conscience. And there he wasted his substance, and the Bible calls it riotous living. And when he had spent all, and isn't that the case? You know, before long, sin's fun. Sin is a blast, but only for a season. Then there's a payment, there's a reckoning, there's judgment. When he spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Now, 
let me digress again because this thought comes to mind and I can't help but mention this. Parents, when you have kids that are unruly, that are doing wrong, and you know it, and they know it, and they made bad mistakes and bad, uh, bad choices, and now they're in trouble. Parents, stop bailing them out. Stop it. You are an enabler. You're enabling them to continue in their error, in their wrong, in their bad judgment, and they're not going to learn from their bad decisions if you keep bailing them out. It's when he came to the end of himself and there was nothing, nowhere else for him to turn to, he had to come to a reckoning and to realize he needed a change. And he wasn't going to change as long as people were going to continue to help him. And so in verse number 15, he turns for help. And 15 says, and he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now, this is a humbling situation. And folks, when people are about to find salvation, they must be humbled. They come to themselves and they realize that they can't fix it. And that they're in trouble. And that they made mistakes. And here's a picture of a Jew having to feed the pigs. And it gets worse. Not only is he reduced, he's no longer popular. All his buddies are gone. When he has no more to spend and, you know, to to enjoy the big life and sin pays its toll on him and he spends all and he spent all. Now he's having to throw himself at the mercy of of a foreigner and he sends him to feed the pigs. And he's so humbled. And in verse 16, it gets worse. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. So now he's eating the pig food. And no man gave unto him. And we see that almost a picture of destitution and despair. But that's what brings him to come to himself in verse 17. And when he came to himself, it was when he was really at the bottom. And again, parents, if you really want to help your kids, you kind of let them hit bottom. Then they'll come to themselves. Train up the child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. He'll come back to it. He'll realize it. And this is what happens to him. And he said, how many hired servants of my father, fathers have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? And here, you know, he's willing to go back to his father and say, don't make me your son. Don't give me any honor in that way. Just make me one of your servants. He says in verse 18, and I will arise and go to my father and say to him, I have sinned not only against my father, I've sinned against heaven before thee. Even though I went to a far country to do all this, I did it still before you. In verse number 19, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I preached this sermon years and years ago in my early ministry, and I entitled this message, When God Ran. Notice the father. He sees his son. He's looking with anticipation. Maybe today 
he'll return. Maybe he'll come to the end of himself and maybe now he'll come back and return to the father. And the eyes of the father was lifted up and he saw his son coming. And notice this, when you make the effort to return, now it's first on us. We're the ones who must return back, but when we do, God runs to us. And he falls on his neck and he kissed him. So when we move to God, God runs to us. In verse 21, and the son said unto him, Father, look at his confession, Father, I have sinned against heaven. Notice this, when you and I sin, it's an offense to heaven, to God. We've offended God. We broke his law. That's what made us a sinner. The Bible says that sin is the transgression of the law. We broke God's law. We're now lawbreakers. And he said, I have sinned against heaven. And in thy sight, even though it was in a far country, I still did it in your sight. You saw it. And I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Now the father cuts him off, stops him there. And he said to the servants, bring forth the best robe. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Oh, what rejoicing there is when a sinner comes to Christ for salvation. The Bible says the angels rejoice. Oh, there's great rejoicing when, when the lost get saved. And I encourage you to join us tomorrow at the Corner of Truth and Courage when we look at the older son and look at his situation. So we'll continue more with this story tomorrow.